I heard they checking for me, no one checking on me, so I had to go run up a check. I got the message on me, ain't no flexing on me, my attorney gon' call and collect. Blessings on blessings for me, my successes only made them envious, they got upset. I had to put all their egos in check. I want the money, the power, respect, and I heard you don't trust me. Hello, fans and friends. Paul and Dylan are back again with another big picture with some more big news. We had the NBA draft last week, and Paul, we are blessed again with news, this time concerning college football. Yeah, we shouldn't belabor the point anymore. Share the big news with the people. This news is some of the most exciting news I've seen in a long time. It has me absolutely bricked up. And I'm just going to throw the first tweet on the screen that had us all buzzing earlier. John Wilner, an LA-based reporter that covers the Pac-12, tweeted that he has a source that USC and UCLA are planning to leave for the Big Ten as early as 2024. And he said the move has not been finalized at the highest levels of power. So we were like, wow. Is this actually happening? Can this happen? Just a little over an hour later, Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic tweets, USC and UCLA's move to the Big Ten is all but wrapped up, sources tell The Athletic. Now, The Athletic, as we know, is not some bum outfit. They are not tweeting this out without very concrete sources. She even said could be an announcement today. As of recording this, there has not yet been an announcement. They were talking about possible meeting I know I think it was Stuart Mandel had tweeted something out about a possible meeting and voting on it, but I don't see any way that this turns down. Dylan, what does this do to the Big Ten in college football? Major things. The one overarching point that everybody is going to talk about is that the three largest media markets in the entire country will now be represented by the Big Ten, exclusively the Big Ten, which is really what matters. It's really starting to create this South... <laughs> North dynamic. I joke, it's civilized versus uncivilized. The way that this is breaking apart. And the question that I have, and I know we're going to talk about this a ton, because there, if anybody thinks that the implications of USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten ends there, you're fooling yourself. This is definitely not the end. And my questions immediately go downstream. Does the Big Ten add more? Do they go to 20? I know that there's been talk about that. Does the SEC counterpunch? You wouldn't think so. The Texas-Oklahoma thing was the impetus for this move. What does the former Pac-12, that's now the Pac-10 again, and the Big 12, do they come together? ACC teams, are they are the picking? So we're going to have to answer a lot of those questions for the people tonight. And I'm excited to talk about it with you because I know you appreciate the expansion and conference realignment discussions as much as I do. I, and it's something that we have talked about, me and you, so many times over the years about potential conference realignment. These are not the conferences of not your grandfather, not your father. These aren't, these aren't the conferences of your older brother, right? Your aunt. Like, this has been the upheaval that we've seen in the last couple decades across the landscape of the sport has been pretty astronomical and that's why none of our names match up the big 10 hasn't had 10 teams in a long time you had the big 12 that didn't even have 12 teams the pac 12 of course it's been all over the place and we have talked about how geography has become less important and depending on how traditionalist you are and how important geography is to you that has been a big issue with a lot of people is what this doesn't make a lot of geographic sense but 
Truly, since the invention of passenger planes, geography hasn't been nearly as big of a deal. And as these teams have gotten more accustomed to flying all over the country, it's not like East Coast teams don't play West Coast teams in the non-con. This isn't something that's completely unheard of. And we have been learning for a long time in the sport that geography really doesn't matter. And that's something that a lot of people get hung up on. I love this so much for the Big Ten because I think these teams are incredible fits for the Big Ten in every facet except geography. And you right there, you say you agree. Why don't you tell us a little bit of why? The big thing that I guess I would push back on in regards to the geography thing is that I don't know if I would say that I agree with you in, in a way that geography is less important. Obviously, the West Virginians of the world are the proof positive of that. But you could very well argue Oklahoma and Texas are still geographic ads. Texas, like LSU in particular, gets a lot of Texas recruits. Alabama does. It's not like there isn't a pipeline there. Now, this one is different, but it is also, culturally speaking, there's a lot of similarity there. The Pac-12, Pac-10, and the Big Ten have a really long historical history. Obviously, the rules book goes without saying. I don't really need to explain that to anybody. If you don't understand that, then just go on YouTube, type in Rose Bowl, you'll go from there, you'll understand. But it, there's a history between the conferences. I know that, for example, Michigan has played USC 10 times, so it's not like there's not a history of games there. Michigan State has played in the Rose Bowl against both UCLA and USC multiple times, if I'm not mistaken. On top of the fact that, again, there's just a more traditionalist nature to it the sec was the newer conference a lot of people don't remember the sec started in the 90s it pieced out of the southwestern conference and the original big eight was a thing back then and so the sec is the new blood and that's always been its vibe it's if you will the silicon valley of this environment whereas the big 10 are like the big three and then whatever analogy for a west coast old school you want to go microsoft or whatever the hell for the Pac-12, and so culturally there's a lot of ties. And so therefore, yes, they are on the West Coast, but they are a lot more in line with the vibe of the Big Ten to me than a Texas or Oklahoma would be. And I agree with that for several reasons. I We had talked about before about the possibility of the Big Ten adding Texas and Oklahoma. Of course, this was before the SEC went and shocked the world and did it themselves. And there were some reasons that they fit. But again, outside of geographically, these California schools that we're talking about adding to the Big Ten fit so much better. The first part is the Big Ten is known for its academics. Now, they're not equal across the board. Not everyone is a Northwestern or a Michigan, but all of these schools have an overall strong academic profile. In fact, except for Nebraska. It, even Nebraska to an extent, and that's actually, I was just about to bring up Nebraska. But they lost their accreditation. They did, which is, that's I, you're reading my mind. I swear to God, folks, we did not talk about this pre-show. I was just about to talk about the AU accreditation. And if you don't know what that is, yeah, it's the yeah. Association of American Universities. And there's 65 of them uh, across the U.S. that are part of this accreditation. And really, it's just for exemplary scholastics, basically. Harvard is a member of this. Stanford is a member of this. And every single member of the Big Ten, when they were admitted to the Big Ten, was an AAU school. Shortly after Nebraska agreed to join the Big Ten, they lost their AAU accreditation. They are the only current standing member of the Big Ten that is not an AAU school. 
Of course, UCLA and USC both are AAU schools. So they fit in there very good, even without the accreditation, whether you think that's relevant or not, they are very good academic institutions. Heck, it wasn't long ago that I think the chancellor president of USC came out and said that they weren't interested in Urban Meyer because essentially they were too good for Urban Meyer. Now, whatever you want to think about how they went out and got Lincoln Riley, that's not part of this discussion, but... It is notable. That is a very Big Ten-esque mentality. You would never hear an LSU of the world come out and say that is when they're talking about their football program and possibly bringing in a coach that could make it better. That would never happen in the SEC outside of Vanderbilt. That is a very Big Ten-esque mentality, and the academic profile there fits in very well. Yeah. I, that I, that's something that a lot of people forget about. Obviously, it's much lesser, right? Because there are a ton of sports where schools are part of a group, a conference group, entirely because of one sport. I know that Notre Dame. I don't know if they still are. You would know better than I would. But Notre Dame, for the longest time, was in the Big Ten for hockey. They still they? are. Notre Dame is still a Big Ten hockey. There you school. go. Yes, they are. There you go. Exactly. So that proves my point. So. If for this, like, obviously this is a football first move. That's all this is. However, the academics obviously support it, at least to a little extent. Uh, also, there is some discussion that I've heard about whether or not this move will only be for football. And I just, I do not see any way that USC and UCLA don't bring on, especially UCLA. You, of all people, would appreciate this. UCLA, top to bottom, is maybe one of the best athletic programs in the entire country for all sports. At everything uh, honestly, but football, they're probably I would one say. Of, yeah, pretty much. If you actually look at UCLA, like how many NCAA championships they have across all these different types of sports, Michigan and them are very, very close in the sense that just every sport that they, they have, they excel in. And so that, there's no way they're not going to be a part of that. They are definitely going to want to compete with, frankly, better competition overall. The, obviously, historically, there's a ton there. For USC, it makes all the sense in the world because if you want to get back to national prominence, get, being able to get guys from Ohio and Chicago, that obviously is going to help them out a ton. For UCLA, yes, football is nice, but now you also get to have basketball now where UCLA, I, something that I mentioned in our chat, UCLA and Indiana are going to be playing once or twice a year. Those are going to be blockbuster games. That's going to be hype as hell. And so, just in all senses, I do not see an angle you can argue, other than being a Don or a Mike Valeni, where you want to just bitch up a storm for no reason, just to be either contrarian or because you are afraid of change. The biggest issue, the only issue you could possibly have beef with, is the geography. And that's where the hang-up with joining for other sports could come from. I would expect this move to be all-inclusive, but I would also understand if they made it a football-only move, despite the fit that their other sports would have in the Big Ten, and I'll get to that in a minute. See, the issue becomes when you talk about sports that aren't as well-funded, and even basketball. Basketball is, most schools, football brings in pretty much all the money. Your only other real revenue sport is basketball. In it's some schools, it's a loss. At some schools, they make a little bit of money. Some schools, they break even. You are talking about adding a lot of cost, but the cost is not going to be the big hang up here. I bring up cost because I've heard it so much today when people discuss this. They're leaving the Pac-12 because of money. 
because the Big Ten can get them so much more money. So when we talk about cost, I want to frame it very clearly, that will be offset in tenfold by the extra income and revenue streams that they have from the Big Ten. But logistically, it can become an issue, especially if you look at basketball, of course, one of the other big main college sport that everybody actually watches because as much as I love the fringe college sports, not a lot of people are watching college baseball and hockey outside of the diehards or people that went to a certain school. So let's talk about basketball. When you have a Monday and Friday game or a Tuesday and, and Saturday game or something like that in the Big Ten and you're coming from California and you gotta fly to Minnesota on a Monday and then you gotta get to Maryland on a Friday and you have to work that, a lot of people forget that these are still universities and these students do have to go to class. And at institutions oh, like USC this. and UCLA, this is where we're gonna they still do go to class. These are real academic institutions. Sure they, do. they do. Relax. They are not. Relax they they are employees, and the NIL is proof of that. It, that argument is gone. Amateurism it's, is it's a lie. It's not gone because NIL is football-centric with a little bit of basketball. We're talking about sports across the board. The swimmers at UCLA are not there to make money. They're there to go to school. They really are. They're school first. They're the true definition of student athletes. So when we talk about adding all sports to a conference, this affects everybody, not just the sports that we watch on TV, and it can make travel a little bit of an issue. Now, I think my answer to that is it's 2022. We can get across the globe pretty quickly. These students are no strangers to travel. The biggest issue will come with the class schedules, and that I absolutely understand. It will be a little bit difficult in season, but I think that they can make it work. And again, it's not like we don't have the travel, especially in the non-conference, but when we're talking about in the middle of the week, in week in and week out through the slate, it is a it is an obstacle to overcome, and I could understand why that could push them towards more of a football-only decision, although I still think that it will be all sports across the board. I There's one, there's two things. Number one, I'll just address the one that I just wholly disagree with you on. For one thing, the proliferation of online coursework makes that class schedule argument kind of moot at this point, because if they the athletic department really wants to, UCLA especially, with especially because all of their programs are so top tier, they will absolutely make accommodations for that. That just, it's going to happen. There's no reason that is going to be any excuse of any kind. Travel is much more relevant than classwork. These kids already have everything being able to be stacked up to fit into their lifestyles as it is. And now that online coursework is so much more popular, that's just, the infrastructure is going to be in place to make that not be a problem. What I would argue with you in an inverse way is that the Pac-12 programs that exist now why in any way would they ever accept usc and ucla to stay in those sports why they're already if I were in oregon them. they can't check them out but mm, you, you say that but that's not true like, like they're at the very least they can try to usher them out the door i know as like a school in particular like oregon for example oregon wants nothing to do with usc after this they don't they don't and so if from my if I'm from Oregon's perspective, no, I don't want your your volleyball team to still be around, soccer team, baseball, softball, basketball, whatever. Like screw off. Go off to the Midwest. Go chase your money. That's what you care about, clearly. You're screwing over the rest of us. 
no, we don't want you to be a part of this infrastructure because you're already halfway out the door as it is. So why would we let you stay for you to bring everything and move everything over eventually anyway? Because that's where it's going to trend. Even if they decide to only be in football, eventually they will become full members. That's just what's going to happen. I love that you love this move, but you played the angry Oregon University very well because this impacts them a ton. It's going to... In, listen, there's going to be a lot of fallout from this, and we'll get to that in a little bit. So we don't we don't expect right. that the Pac-12 is going to remain the exact same sans UCLA and USC. But as of right now, the Pac-12 was already a struggling conference. It was already a conference, especially in certain sports, that was like a Power yeah. 5 team with quotation marks around it. You know, we've made fun of them for... They were for, worse than the Big we've 12. We've made fun of them for quite some time about this, and it hasn't just been in football. And now you're losing two of your biggest schools. How much less attractive does that make the Oregons of the world? Does that make the Washingtons of the world? And those are the schools that lose the most here just by existing and being a member of the Pac-12. How much is that going to affect their recruiting? And Oregon may have Nike money, but if the marquee games on your schedule are Stanford and Washington... That's going to be a tough sell. And everyone already talks about the East Coast bias. No one stays up till 2 o'clock morning to watch Pac-12 games unless you're savages now. like us. Shoot, I was. I remember last year I was watching Mountain West games because <laughs> I, I was sitting up watching San Diego Absolutely. State and Hawaii because we're lunatics. And that's why we have the job that we have yeah, covering this right. sport because we're not <laughs> the average fan. But your average fan already wasn't staying up to watch those late later Pac-12 games, and they already didn't care. And that's now that's will, why Christian though. McCaffrey didn't win a Heisman, or at least that's how the narrative goes. There's a tweet from the Stanford Tree about that today. On the was day. there you really? Should, a great follow on oh, Twitter. Oh, that's fantastic. It was so funny. So, yeah, now... It was, it's all, oh, now East Coast writers are going to care <laughs> about the Heisman race. I was like, yes. It, it, yes. And now, <laughs> now you take USC and you take UCLA out of the equation... And how many more eyeballs are you losing? How much less does everybody else care about your conference? We have. Why does the SEC recruit so well? Because they sell this vision of the SEC is different. It means more that it's better football. And regardless of where you stand on that, it has meant something in recruiting. The Big Ten is trying to sell something similar. What is the pack going to sell? It's going to be tough. And, and I did allude to this whenever I started because we're now transitioning a bit towards the downfall, the downstream effects of how this is happening. And obviously, Oregon's the one that is the most obvious that comes to mind. Oregon is hurt by far the most by this move. And my solution would be very simple. You need to get on the phone with the Big 12, and you two need to merge next year. It needs to happen right away. The reason why that's going to be a huge plus is because then... Oregon is able to have access, not necessarily to California as easily as they used to, or New York isn't a huge football market, but you get what I mean. But you would have access to Houston because Houston is a Big 12 member now. And yeah, Texas is still in that area, but Texas is also going to bleed over a lot more into San Antonio as well. Dallas, obviously. And so if I'm Oregon, I am begging and pleading for the Pac-12 to merge with the Big 12 so I have access to the Texas recruiting market. I don't love talking about recruiting, you know that, but I know that that's their play. That's their only play to stay relevant. 
They can, but they need to merge to get access to that Texas market. One thing that I find fascinating is a lot of people that complain about all this upheaval, it's because of all the history that is being torn down and ripped up to shreds and tossed to the wind. But that's something else that I love about these additions for the Big Ten is there's kind of history there, as much history as there can possibly be for teams all the way on the other side of the country. You talk about iconic venues. What does the Rose Bowl mean in Big Ten country? What does the Rose Bowl mean to Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio more than State, Ohio State fans, right? Like, <laughs> more than Impact 12 country. You adding that venue to now it's a Big Ten venue, it makes all the sense in the world. Right. And you brought up USC and Michigan in the games that they've played. It, yes. th these are not teams and these are not venues that are strangers to each other and so that history is there and now you have what i'd call almost a rose bowl alliance and you can have now look at all the options for your big 10 championship game so we have it in indy right now and they talked about sofi which is obviously a beautiful coliseum out in la no pun intended <sighs> Uh, as being a, a possible future venue. The Rose Bowl. What if the Rose Bowl hosted it? I mean, you between the Rose Bowl and Michigan Stadium, now the Big Ten has two of the most iconic oh, venues in the entire country. Whether you are partial to them or not, they are definitely iconic. The Coliseum. Listen, it may be empty when it's just USC there, although Lincoln Riley hoping to change that a little bit. But when Michigan, when Michigan or Ohio State comes out to L.A. Or play, in play, how much more juiced is the Coliseum going to be? Well, you're going to have a Steelers situation. Where the road people take over the venue, which is fine. At least people yes. will be there. Think about if we go to the scheduling that we want to go to, that you assume that we're going to end up playing every team in the Big Ten every two years, and every four years you're going to see every venue in the Big Ten. You're guaranteed a Rose Bowl trip every four years. How cool is that? How, what a better way to celebrate what the Big Ten is than every team gets to go play in the Rose Bowl within a four-year span. That is awesome to me. That's the kind of stuff I love. And then as we were talking about recruiting, of course, this just opens up that California pipeline even more. It is the most talent-rich state in the country, even more than Texas, although they're very close, of course. But you have California, Texas, and Florida. That's those are your huge recruiting pipelines. The biggest ones in California, they produce so just an ungodly amount of talent. And now every team in the Big Ten has better access to that. All of those kids that live in the Southern California area, now they're seeing Big Ten teams on TV regularly. I, there's just, there's so much upside here and so much sense that it makes. I will tell you another thing that is definitely going to become an impetus moving forward is that I don't know when the contracts are going to be up, but I will tell you that Fox is going to become, they already is, but it's going to become the home of the Big Ten. It's, it's just going to. ESPN is going to take over the SEC, and Fox will have the Big Ten. They already had it with the Big Noon, where they started to do that, and it was almost always exclusively either Big 12 or it was Big Ten schools. But you have another part of it also is that Fox Sports is stationed in Los Angeles. You're telling me that Colin Cowherd is not going to simp hard for the Big Ten? He's absolutely going to. Everybody, if you watch the herd at all, the dude is obsessed with USC and Lincoln Riley. Obsessed. Ever since that move happened, he has had a fetish for them. And now, being able to say that Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State... 
Michigan State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, that all those schools in USC are going to come to blows. Oh, man. You're going to have the actual Trojan War where you could have the Trojans against the Spartans. That's awesome. I love that. That's cool as hell. So, yeah, I'm excited for the move. There's no negatives in my mind whatsoever. It is a power play for the Big Ten. I do have one final thought on it, which is going to be way less defensible, but I want to know your last pieces of thoughts before I throw it out there. No. So I one thing I did want to touch on is I've heard a lot of people, a lot of people, in my opinion, are overreacting to what they think the fallout of this is going to be. Obviously, this is a massive move for college sports and especially college football. But people think that with every move, it just causes this calamity of fallout. And now everyone's talking about we're going to go to these super conferences and the SEC is going to get to over 20 teams and the Big Ten is going to get to over 20 teams and it's going to destroy college football. And I don't really see that happening, at least any time in the near future, for several reasons. As we've talked about for a long time, for the past decade, maybe even more, we have been trending towards a power four, four conferences of 16 teams. It's made the most sense for a long time, and we have been trending that direction. You'll have 64 power teams, which is just a little bit less than we have now, and it has seemed like we've been heading in this direction for a long time. And that 16 number is key for several reasons. One, of course, there's only so many teams of that caliber across the sport, as we're talking about football especially, you don't have a hundred FBS teams that are power five caliber. The 68 or 69 or how many ever that we have, it really feels like too many. We could absolutely deal to shave some of those off. And then you look at 16. 16 is a very tenable number for several reasons. It doesn't make a lot of sense on a logical basis for conferences to amass more than 16 teams, especially getting into the 20s, because one, you start to dilute the product. It becomes chaotic. Now you're running a league like the NFL instead of having something that's regional. And when I say regional, I don't just mean demographically. I just mean with the size of it. You don't want to, all you're going to do if you end up with 24 teams or something crazy is end up splitting them off into divisions that is just like having the conferences that you basically merged. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Whereas 16 teams is a nice number, it's a large number, it's a lot more than we're used to, although for a while the SEC and Big Ten have had 14 teams, so I think we've gotten pretty used to it. Two teams in the mix doesn't break scheduling. We talked about the 3-6-6 scheduling where you have three protective games every year, and then that leaves 12 more opponents across the conference. That means in two years you can play all of them, six one year, six the next. You could play every team in your conference in two years. Does that seem like a crazy amount of teams to have if you play every team within a two-year span? If you go to everybody's venue in a four-year span? That's not, it's not an untenable number. You can easily, if you want to pot it, if you want to break it up in divisions, you can do that. It's a nice, clean, crisp number for that. But you don't have to do that because of how balanced the scheduling is. You could just use that schedule rotation and then just have the two best teams play in a conference championship. But you know how I feel about that. I think it should be the two best teams that didn't play already that season. But regardless, that's semantics. This number of 16, it works for so many reasons that if you get a lot more than that, it starts to not you kill the purpose of amassing these teams in the first place. 
And it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And then what do you do playoff wise? If you got 20 some teams in your conference and you only have one conference champion and then some other really good teams are going to have two losses just by nature of playing a weird schedule, it just, it would be extremely weird. See, I felt compelled to mention it just because it's picked up so much steam lately. And I believe it was even Nicole Auerbeck that tweeted earlier that she spoke to a source that said that they feel that there are more moves to come and that this thing could be heading towards 20 plus team conferences. And so that's, we're in lockstep, me and you, as far as this isn't and shouldn't happen, but it's something that's out there that a lot of people are discussing that they are worried about. So I just wanted to give our two cents on it because I think it's a little bit overblown of a concern because again, at the end of the day, you're defeating the purpose of adding all these teams if you're just going to end up having to split them up again because it's too much. It's too much. We've had a lot to say about USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. Seems like all but a certainty at this point. We obviously want to hear what you out there have to say as well. Community poll is going to be up regarding this decision. Please vote on that. We'd love to see what that looks like from our viewing audience. And hopefully Paul's diatribe about the 20-team conferences eased your suffering and you won't have to worry about that in the future. So... Thank you, fans and friends, again for episode 10 of The Big Picture. And who knows what breaking news we'll have to talk about next week. For Paul and myself, Dylan, good night, folks. Oh, 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 oh,